You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. Thanks for being with us, Raider Nation. We appreciate it. Mo Moten, Scott Colbranson with you talking all things Raiders football, still digesting and breaking down the Raiders' week one loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. It's not the end of the world. This team will rebound. I actually believe that, and uh, so does Mo. I know, and we're going to get into that here in a second. Mo, let's dive into the offensive line. There was a lot of uh, concern with the offensive line the entire offseason. In fact, the other day when we did our special show on the uh, Darren Waller contract on Saturday, you brought up the point that, listen, the Raiders have gone out. They've signed a lot of their core young talent to long-term deals. They've spent the dough to keep those guys in place, but yet they didn't address one of the biggest weaknesses on their team, and that was the offensive line. So yesterday... Josh McDaniels, excuse me, on Sunday, Josh McDaniels uh, decided that he was going to rotate at right guard and right tackle, in essence, four players, correct? I might, there might be a fifth. I can't remember. Yeah, you're uh, correct. No, okay, good. Uh, and that was interesting because you rotated it a mat. It didn't seem to, it seemed to be a set rotation. It didn't mean, it didn't seem to be based on performance. And, and so fans got really upset because they saw issues with the offensive line. You being away covering the rest of the NFL and then going to watch the game later away from the Raider Nation emotion of the day on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about what you saw when you watched the game about this offensive lineman, offensive line and what you think of how that rotation worked out. Well, I'll start off this way. And, Jeremy Fowler said before Ross Cuss that the Raiders weren't settled on the right side of their offensive line. And our guy Hayden out there in Australia, I believe, said yep, that that's, that's unnerving to him because the Raiders basically had four preseason games to figure it out, those two positions, and, he's, and it's week one against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, and they still didn't have it figured out. And I agree with him that that's a little concerning that you had, a, you had the whole summer, you had the spring and the summer to – basically have a clear-cut start at those positions that you knew were question marks coming in, especially with Denzel Gill retiring, and you still are tinkering with your combinations there. Now, 
I will say that the combination wasn't it in the totality it wasn't terrible. When I looked at the game and rewatched it, it wasn't like they were always they were turnstiles out there. No. Now it could it could it could have been a lot worse, but I would like to see five guys build a chemistry together because that's all about putting the best five guys on the field, right? We didn't say Absolutely. Yeah, put the best put the best seven guys on the field. It's about putting the best five guys on the field. So what Correct. the Rams are telling you is they don't have the best five guys yet. And that's and that's the concerning part about this. Now my my forward looking idea of this is they want Mumford and Parham to be the guys because those are the two guys that they drafted. I know they re-signed Jermaine Illuminar, but he's you know, 27 years old. He's had some opportunities in his past, didn't take advantage of those opportunities. Lester Cotton has been on and off the practice squad, had a strong start to the, to the uh, offseason program, kind of tailed off in the preseason with, with a couple of questionable or bad performances. But from the looks, it seems like they want Mumford to be the guy at right tackle, and they want Parham to be the guy at right guard. Now, I predicted on Sportsnet on my 50-minute uh, projection that Parham would start at right guard because he's the better option. He's the superior option over Lester Cotton. Now, Lester Cotton did get some snaps and played well, as did Illuminar. But I think what the Raiders are thinking as far as Josh McDaniels and, and Carmen Basillo is that get the rookies in there to get their feet wet, and eventually they'll take over those starting positions. But they're not going to put them out there full-time yet because they ha- they don't have the reps, they don't have the snaps, they don't have the experience yet to play against guys like Bosa and Mack and, and, and Sebastian Joseph Day on the inside. So... Mix it up, get the rookie some time, but also have your veterans as insurance policies. But again, it's just not the smoothest operation because you're playing a, a seven-man rotation. Again, it's all about the best five men, and the Raiders don't have the best five men yet on their offensive line. And that's why my rant is now beginning. Because here's the deal. <laughs> I don't disagree with not destroying... You, you don't want to destroy a rookie's confidence. So I agree with you on Parham being that right guard long-term. I think he's a good player. I think they, they kind of stole him in the draft. I think he's going to be really good there, and it's going to take some time. So I get that and understand it. But to me, what Josh McDaniel said on Sunday, and then he repeated it on Monday, he said all those guys deserve time, basically is what he said. He does, they deserve a chance. Last time I checked, this is the regular season. Isn't your chance during the preseason to earn your spot. And then if you don't earn the spot, that's cool. Or if you don't have the guy, if you don't have two guys that you're set on, then you got to go find somebody. Okay. And I'm not just going to say, Hey, go sign some guy off the street down on Las Vegas Boulevard. I'm not saying that, but to me, when you are the head coach and you say that they all deserve a shot, this is it's a meritocracy, man. You got to win the position. And if you win the position, you got it. If you don't win the position and you have four guys that don't win the position outright, then you got to you got to do something. And so I'm concerned long term that, number one, if I'm Derek Carr and, and he'll always say the right thing. But if I'm Derek Carr, Mo. The last thing I want is is a revolving door on my line. You you also, to your point about the unit playing cohesively, the quarterback also needs to feel good and get to know the the habits and the tells of his players so he knows and the communication with those guys. And I know he gets along with all of them and he plays in practice with all of them. But in game action, to me, not having a cohesive unit when you can, okay, with, meaning you don't have injuries, 
that to me is you're playing with fire. And I don't buy Josh. It's the first time I think he's full of crap when he says that. And, and maybe they don't feel good about anybody on the market, so they're just rolling with what they have. And, and I know you can't come out and just say, hey, look, we don't have the guys. I get it. You have to be diplomatic. But to me, I think fans are listening to that and saying, well, wait a minute. You don't think there's anything wrong with the offensive line and it can get better? I mean, this is and this is why fans have been screaming for the Raiders to sign an offensive lineman. And to your point, if none of those guys outright won the job, then you have to make a move. Right. Sign someone who could possibly do better or trade for, or try to trade for, or acquire someone from another team who can do a better job because it's alarming when none of the guys that were vying for those positions outright won the job. But I will say it's not a coincidence, and I made note of this. The two guys who have false starts on that offensive line, Thayer Mumford and Jermaine Luminar. I don't think that's a coincidence because they were rotating in and out. And to your point about the quarterback having to feel comfortable with the offensive lineman, it goes both ways. Your quarterback's going to be yelling out calls and he has his cadence. And because you're yes. rotating guys, they may not be used to certain calls at the line of scrimmage. So that could lead to errors such as false starts. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's a coincidence. But to me, I, what I hope is not the case, even though this is my concern and my concern has been the offensive line, as many fans have also agreed with me on this. I just hope that the coaching staff is not being stubborn and saying, we know it's going to work. We're going to stick with our guys. We're not going to go out because we're going to roll with our, our what we have. I, I just hope it's just not stubbornness that gets in the way of them possibly picking up a guy, a free agent, or acquiring another player from another team and improving that line. Because if your offensive line has problems throughout the season, you're going to cause your offense to not perform at an optimal level because you're going to have guys that are out of place, false start, this and this and that, holdings. All types of things can happen when you don't have a set five-man lineup on, on, in the trenches. Right, and, and it affects the other guys on the other side. It affects the center. Of course, we also heard the troubling news. Andre James, after the game, in an ambulance with a concussion, right? So so we don't know what his status. He was not on uh, today's injury report uh, and we don't have another report from from the Raiders yet as of early Tuesday morning, but um, that's concerning. So you might have to move Parham to center, and <laughs> you got all sort of things going on. So, so to me, the 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 left side of the line, knowing the right side, those guys work together. Clearly, they're a cohesive unit. They have to be. And your point about the cadence is so important because, as a young player, if I'm Dylan Parham and I'm, I'm out there uh, and Mumford. I need to know what my quarterback does. I need to know his habits. I need right. to know what he does when he checks out of a play and audibles at the line, what that sounds like, uh, what indications he gives us. Now, they practice it, but again, real-time real time game stress is a whole different game. So that, to me, is the big concern. And again, I've been very complimentary of Josh McDaniels, and he deserves it. But this is the one thing that concerns me, and that is the stubbornness you mentioned, because that was his problem, self-admitted, when he was a younger co uh, coach in Denver. So you hope that that doesn't rear its head here and that they do something. Now, maybe they go into week two, they know the Cardinals are, you know, kind of an iffy team. Maybe they're thinking, hey, we can see how we do one more game. But again, every week you put it off, someone else is going to have a need, as we saw the injuries that occurred in week one. And suddenly you might be out of options and then you're stuck. So hopefully they can do it. Mo, let me, as we conclude the, the discussion on the line, uh, I mentioned Colton Miller early struggling at times in this game with Bosa there. Uh, what did you see from him? Anything that is concerning at all, or was it just, just a tough matchup? 
I think it's just a tough matchup. I'm not concerned about Colton Miller overall, but I mentioned this in my Sports Star article. He hasn't played well recently against the Chargers. He he struggled in that Week 18 game, and a lot of people don't want to talk about that because Colton is the best offensive lineman on the Raiders line. But he has struggled against the Chargers, and <laughs> I can't fault him for that. He's going up against Joey Bosa, and 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 then Sunday going up against Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, who both can switch sides and not glued to one side of the of the defensive line. So he he also struggled, but I, I thought again the offensive line. I didn't expect the Raiders' offensive line to play well out of the gate against the Chargers because they have two top tier pass rushers. I, I thought that would be the reason the Raiders didn't win the game. That's why I picked against them. A lot of people didn't like that, but lo and behold, Khalil Mack seals the victory for the Chargers with that sack. What I find interesting though, and I want to make note of this, Derek Carr, and I and I said this on Twitter on Monday that I'm not concerned with Derek Carr because this was an anomaly game for him he doesn't usually yeah. throw this many picks he usually is able to step into his throws he has a good arm he doesn't have a noodle arm he's not out there he's not alex smith in it no offense to alex smith um but i find it interesting that it seems like when Derek carr gets touched in the pocket the ball just comes squirting out it's i don't incredible. know what that is it, it's, it's it's incredible to me that as soon as a, a defensive lineman lays a finger on him and i understand these guys are bigger than him they're three 250 to 300 pounders and they got a lot of you know, strength and they can bull rush and knock the ball out and they're looking to strip the ball. But it seems like as soon as Derek Carr is touched, that ball just comes floating out. And that and that worries me every time the, the pocket crumbles and he gets a little pressure on him. Yeah, and 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 the media has talked openly with him about his fumble issues. And it's not good when you fumble it twice. Now again, he was under heavy pressure, but last year he seemed to get better at it. He seemed to protect the ball a little better at times. Uh, and and feel the pressure. Yesterday didn't seem like he felt the pressure well at all, which reminds me of one last thing, and we're going to get into Josh McDaniels now as well, is McDaniels also said the question was asked about Derek Carr being moving more in the pocket because, again, Derek Carr was kind of a statue uh, against the Chargers. He did not move at all. And um, so they asked about that with that line and the uncertainty with the line. And McDaniel said, we don't want Derek to run. Okay. And my thought was, well, sure, maybe not set plays to run the ball, but don't you in the modern NFL have to have a quarterback who can move? And I thought he did a better job of it last year, frankly, moving in the pocket and creating plays. Uh, and especially when you have an offensive line that's completely unsettled on the right side, how can, not, how can you not have your quarterback move? So that, to me, was a little bit of a contradictory statement. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If I was at that presser, I would have asked a follow-up question because there's a difference between wanting Derek Carr to run mm -hmm. and wanting him being able, wanting him to be mobile in the pocket and able to evade pressure. Good point. Now we're not we're not asking Derek Carr to be Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray out there. We're not asking him to run twenty yards downfield and take off with the football. What I think fans and even myself are asking is that Derek Carr needs to be able to evade pressure, sidestep, move his legs because 
he improved a little bit every year in that aspect under John Gruden. When John Gruden got there, as soon as John Gruden got there in 2018, you started to see Derek Carr use his mobility because he's an athletic guy. Derek Carr is not a statue. He's not Tom no. Brady out there. No. And even Tom Brady, it, with his lack of mobility, you see him able to dart pressure and move in the pocket. He's not taking off for 20 yards. He's not a running quarterback. But he's able to evade pressure when he needs to. And I think it goes into having a feel for the pocket and understanding like instincts. Derek Carr doesn't have the natural instinct right. to evade pressure. So you have to kind of teach it to him. I think John Gruden, for all the criticism I've given John Gruden, that's one of the things that he helped Derek Carr in. Able to evade pressure in the pocket, use his legs and mobility and pick up a first down when he needed to. And you just didn't see that on Sunday. And as I said, if I was at that presser, I'd be like, well, Josh, you know, coach, I understand he doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson. But when the pocket is crumbling around him, because he's not always going to have a perfect pocket, he has to be able to evade pressure and extend plays. It's called improvisation for a quarterback. That's why guys like Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson are all special. Not because they can run with the football, it's because they can extend plays with their legs and still look down the field and throw a dart down to their pass catchers or wide receivers or tight ends. Again, Derek Carr doesn't need to be an athletic freak. He just needs to be able to avoid pressure and give his receivers time downfield. Yeah, a la Rich Gannon who did that. He was not a, uh incredibly right. fast quarterback, but he did move those legs, man. When he had to get out of that right. pocket, he would extend it so that he could extend the play. Uh, all right, Mo, as we as we get close to the end of uh, this Tuesday edition of Silver and Black today, uh, Josh McDaniels, this first game, we've talked some some intricacies here about decisions and, and clearly his view of the offensive line. Um, but overall, you look at the game and what he did on the offensive side – we talked about Patrick Graham and the defense earlier, but when you look at the offensive play calling, uh, the game plan that they had against the Chargers, what's your take there? Overall, like I said, I'm, you know, you're bringing a new system. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, uh -oh. no, I, I'm not too, I'm not too worried about, again, I, and I picked the Chargers to win the game, but I felt like it was going to be close. It was going to be a one possession. I expected to be a little closer, like the Raiders missed out some opportunities. Again, I brought the interception to Devontae Adams where Derek Carr underthrew him uh, and it went back to the Chargers, but really not worried about their game plan or what, what they have set plan. I because I, I think they're gonna bounce back. And I'm gonna say this for like the fifth time. Derek Carr doesn't usually throw three interceptions in a game. So I don't think you're gonna get another three interception game from Derek Carr this year, at least not in the next coming weeks. So I think the Raiders need to continue to do what they're doing, but I want to see more balance, as I said at the beginning of the show, more running the ball because it was working when they did it with Josh Jacobs. I want to see more Zamir White. I understand Brandon Bolden came over from New England with Josh McDaniels, but I, I just I'm against running a 30-plus-year-old running back. You know, when your offensive line is a little questionable, get some juice out there with your young buck that you drafted in the fourth round to be that one-two punch with Josh Jacobs. And I think the Raiders will be fine. On the defensive side of the ball, I think, as I said at the beginning of the show, I think you're going to see more wrinkles. You'll see more blitzes because that's going to help Jonathan Abram, who I thought had a decent game. Of course, he's never going to be a coverage safety, but I thought staying to the line of scrimmage, and they, that's what they did even when Merrick went out. They had Deron Harmon back there mm -hmm. on the back end, and they didn't have Jonathan Abram playing 8, 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. So I think... Patrick Graham understands the strengths of his players. So again, I, I, I have faith that the Raiders will bounce back and their game plan will work out for the better against the Cardinals. 
Yeah, I thought offensively the game the game plan was good. I think they did what they needed to do. They 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 had the sets they needed to do. They had personnel matchups that that benefited them. Uh, mm-hmm. They just weren't able to execute at some key times, and I think that'll rectify itself against Arizona this coming Sunday. Speaking of Arizona, we will talk about them on Thursday's show. We'll break that down. We'll talk about the confidence level heading in to uh, that game and overall for this team early that looked a little shaken at times, but certainly down the stretch, started to put it together a little bit, just came up short. Uh, And then also about spreading the ball around. What do they need to do? What kind of game plan? What kind of defense are they going up against with Cliff Klingsbury's club in, that was a lot of K's and C's together, uh, in Arizona, down in Glendale. So we'll talk, or excuse me, in Vegas. We'll talk about that as well on Thursday. Mo, before we get out of here, though, what an amazing week one of the NFL season. It's always a reminder, not just because we're so excited that there's football on all day, but what a crazy weekend. Of course, we saw the Bengals-Steelers game where nobody wanted to win for the longest time, couldn't hit, a, <laughs> couldn't hit an extra point or a field goal, and we saw late comebacks. We saw a tie in week one with Indy and Houston, a game I lost money on because I thought for sure Indy would win that game. Uh, a crazy week. What did you see, and what does that tell us about the NFL heading into 2022? Well, first of all, Scott, you should have you should have consulted me before you placed that bet. <laughs> Did you bet Houston? Did you pick Houston? I I, I picked Houston against oh, the line because do, doing my research and putting out that article oh, that's coming out that comes out every Thursday on Bleacher Report. By the way, I have a betting article against the spread. I wrote that if you if you laid money on the Colts, you should be nervous because they hadn't won an uh, week one game since 2013. Think about that. So it's almost been 10 years since they won in week one. And two years, I remember two years ago, I remember they they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jaguars didn't win another game that year. So the Colts just have a problem with opening games and aging quarterbacks. But as far as the season is concerned, I, I think it's a sign that we're in for a lot of surprises. I don't think the surprises are going to be limited to week one. I think throughout the season, I believe we had a guest on. Uh, sorry, I forgot his name. But he said this, that with the extra week that you're going to see a lot of you know, upsets where teams mm-hmm. maybe not take a week off, but they're just not dialed in and focused for one particular week. You don't know when that week is going to happen. And you'll get a, a team upsetting, like a, a Houston Texans upsetting maybe the Buffalo Bills. I'm just using that as an example. But you're going to get a lot of those upset games along the way with, with an extra game. But I think with the wide receiver play, too, you saw a lot of wide receivers putting up big numbers. Justin Huge. Jefferson, A.J. Brown setting a franchise record with the Eagles. Uh, Jahan Dotson, I know he didn't put up big numbers, but he's coming along well. Had two touchdowns against the Jaguars, so he's going to be a playmaker for the Washington Commanders opposite Terry McLaurin. You see why the wide receiver market blew up this offseason because it's now our premium position. Absolutely, uh, and it's exciting, and it's what makes the NFL so great is that uh, teams can turn things around quickly, and uh, that's what I would say to Raider fans. The Raiders lose in week one, but week two could be a completely different game and a different outcome so hang in there uh all right my partner i will talk to you on thursday as we talk cardinals and then we'll drop a mailbag show obviously this week too but thanks man get some rest i know it's been a tough couple days and then you got thursday night coming up so uh get ready for that and we'll talk to you on thursday yeah we won't talk fantasy football hopefully oh uh, we will yes i i 
I gave you a pass on this show. I didn't want to talk about the fact that on Thursday you may be eating mint chip ice cream on this show, uh, but you'll see why later on. So we'll, we'll talk about that, though, as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I need a I'm due for a tooth cleaning. So this is uh, this works. <laughs> this works out well for me. So you'll eat the ice cream and brush your teeth at the same time. That would actually be not? funny. I would love that. Oh, that That'll be a new uh, a GIF that people will use constantly. Mo brushes his teeth with ice cream. A yes. Anything, any, anything to, to keep the fans engaged, right? <laughs> there you go. All right, man. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Mm -hmm. All right. For Mo Moten, uh, I am Scott Goldbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Make sure you subscribe. Pass it on to a friend, especially all of your friends in Raider Nation. We appreciate you being with us. And we will be back here on Thursday talking Raiders versus Cardinals and week two. All right, now go out there, be good to one another, and we will see you then. Bye-bye.